Hello, this is Nidha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 20th of January. India registered close to 14,000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally has now touched the 1.06 crore or 10.6 million mark. A little over 160 fresh fatalities were recorded nationwide and the overall death toll inched closer to the 1,53,000 mark. The country today began the export of coronavirus vaccines. Bhutan, Maldives and Bangladesh became the first three countries to receive the doses from India. The vaccines will also be sent to Nepal, Myanmar and Seychelles. India's COVID-19 vaccination drive crossed the 5 lakh mark yesterday, that is on the fourth day of the drive. The Union Health Ministry, meanwhile, cited a provisional report last evening stating that over 6,31,000 healthcare workers had been vaccinated so far. Multiple states, however, witnessed a phenomenon called vaccine hesitancy. A sharp drop was seen in the turnout of beneficiaries for receiving the COVID vaccine shots in states and union territories like Delhi, Maharashtra and Punjab, among others. On day two of the first phase of vaccination in Maharashtra, which was yesterday, a little over 15,000 healthcare workers received the shot across 274 centres. This was, however, half the number of people who had been listed and contacted as vaccine recipients for the day's session. On day two of the vaccination drive in Delhi, that was on Monday, a dip was seen in the number of healthcare workers receiving the vaccine. On day one of the inoculation drive, Delhi managed to vaccinate over 4,300 healthcare workers or 53% of the registered beneficiaries. On day two, the number fell to nearly 3,600. Punjab, however, saw an improvement in the turnout of vaccine recipients yesterday compared to the first two days. Two of the main reasons being attributed to low turnouts or vaccine hesitancy among healthcare workers are the incidence of AEFIs or adverse events following vaccination and glitches in the government's app for COVID vaccines called COVID. The health ministry today, in order to address the problem of low turnouts, allowed on-spot registration of beneficiaries for vaccination. Meanwhile, around 580 incidents of AEFIs have been reported so far, a majority of which have been minor. According to the health ministry, only nine of these people required hospitalization. Meanwhile, Karnataka Health Minister K. Sudhakar said that healthcare workers in the state will not be allowed to choose between coronavirus vaccines. According to an NDTV report, resident doctors had expressed doubts about the safety and efficacy of Bharat Biotech's Covaxin, demanding that they be allowed a choice between Covaxin and Serum Institute's Covishield. Concerns about Covaxin had surfaced because it was still in Phase 3 trials when it received the emergency use approval. Consequently, there was no data on its efficacy from Phase 3 of clinical trials. The farmers' agitation against the centre's farm laws at the borders of Delhi entered the 56th day today. The Supreme Court issued a notice to the centre on the application filed by the Kisan Mahapanchayat for the reconstitution of the independent committee to help resolve the impasse over the farm laws. The Apex Court asked the centre to respond to the notice. The court also said that it was inappropriate for the court to act on the centre's plea seeking an order against the proposed tractor rally by farmers scheduled for Republic Day. It stated that it was not for the court to pass such orders, reiterating its earlier position that the question of who should be allowed to enter Delhi to hold protests is a law and order issue that has to be handled by the police. The centre later withdrew its petition. The farmers, meanwhile, are firm on the proposed tractor rally, preparations for which are underway. Bharti Kisan Union President Gurnam Singh Chanduni stated yet again today that the farmers have already told the police that they will not face any disturbance because of the rally. 
The Punjab unit of Ahmadmi Party yesterday announced that it will also join the proposed tractor parade on January 26th in Delhi. While hearing the centre's plea over the Republic Day tractor rally, the Supreme Court also expressed serious reservations on aspersions being cast on members of the committee set up by it. Chief Justice of India S.A. Bobde said that the court intervened for the common interest of the people and that the panel was formed because the court is not an expert in the matter. The Chief Justice also said, and I quote, Those appointed by the Supreme Court are the best in agriculture today. You just maligned them for some opinion expressed in the past. The Supreme Court appoints someone and you shred their reputation. Unquote. He added that every judge on a case may have expressed a different opinion at some point of time. The Apex Court also said that the purpose of the expert committee was to only hear the grievances of the farmers. Meanwhile, the farmers reached the Vigyan Bhavan for the 10th round of talks with the centre today. Union ministers Narendra Singh Tomar and Piyush Goyal also reached the venue on behalf of the centre. The first nine rounds of talks between the centre and the farmers had remained inconclusive. Ahead of the meeting, Bharti Kisan Union spokesperson Rakesh Tiket outlined the two clear demands of the farmers. He said that the centre has to introduce a legislation on minimum support price or MSP and repeal the three farm laws. He added, and I quote, Our protest is against the government and the corporate system. Unquote. A court in Gujarat's Kutch district issued an arrest warrant against journalist Paranjay Guha Thakurta yesterday in connection with a defamation case filed by the Adani Group. In the order, Judicial Magistrate Pradeep Soni said that Thakurta was charged under Section 500 of the Indian Penal Code that is defamation. He directed the Nizamuddin Police Station in New Delhi to arrest the said accused and produce him before the magistrate. Thakurta's lawyer Anand Yagnik told the news agency PTI that he and Thakurta had not received any intimation. He added that this information came to them from the media. The Adani Group had served the defamation notice in 2017 when Thakurta was the editor of Economic and Political Weekly or EPW. In June 2017, the magazine had printed a story by Thakurta on how the government had tweaked rules for special economic zones which led to the Adani Group reaping a profit of 500 crore rupees. EPW took down the article following the notice. Thakurta resigned after the board of Samiksha Trust, which runs the magazine, ordered that the story be taken down. The story was republished by The Wire with EPW's permission. Thakurta's lawyer added, and I quote, The magazine is not responsible for criminal defamation. The case against the co-author has been withdrawn. But you don't withdraw the complaint against the author. We have moved a discharge application. Unquote. This reminds me of a 2017 report on Newslaundry.com filed by Shruti Menon. It is titled, Adani, the man no one wants to write against. Let me read you a quick excerpt from the piece. On August 15, 2017, the London-based news organisation The Guardian published an exclusive story on arguably one of the most controversial corporations in India, the Adani Group. The story claimed, with documentary evidence, that the Adani Group allegedly siphoned off up to 1,500 crore rupees through shell enterprises controlled by chairman and founder Gautam Adani's elder brother Vinod Adani. These are not new allegations. The Economic Times ran a story in January 2014 reporting that the Directorate of Revenue Intelligence, or DRI, had formally opened a case for alleged overvaluation of capital equipment for power projects. Economic Times spoke to multiple sources and claimed that more than 2,000 crore rupees had been siphoned off. 
Incidentally, the next day after the Guardian's report, none of the major financial newspapers like the Economic Times, Business Standard, Financial Express and Mint even curated the Guardian's story, let alone highlight excerpts from the documents pertaining to the DRI and ED investigation, which is now in the public domain thanks to the Guardian. Almost every news organization chose to completely ignore the story. This excerpt from a story that was published in 2017 holds even greater relevance today as an arrest warrant has been issued against the journalist who was just doing his job when he wrote a piece about the Adani group. This, my dear listeners, is why we at News Laundry keep reminding you about the importance of free and independent media. Because when media organizations are funded by big corporations, stories about the workings of those very corporations never see the light of day. But when news organizations are funded by the public itself, they speak in the interest of the public. Being an organization that runs solely on the support of its subscribers, we do not have to answer to any corporate overlords. So if you want us to bring you stories and voices that matter, support us by subscribing to News Laundry today. The lowest subscription plan starts at 300 rupees a month only. The government yesterday asked Facebook-owned messaging application WhatsApp to withdraw any changes in its privacy policy for users in India. The Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology wrote to Will Cathcart, the global CEO of WhatsApp, asking him to withdraw the latest privacy policy on the platform. The ministry in the letter stated that the update in the privacy policy enabled WhatsApp and other Facebook companies to make invasive and precise inferences about users. The IT ministry said in the letter, and I quote, This approach has the potential to infringe on the core values of data privacy, user choice and autonomy of Indian users. Given the huge user base of WhatsApp and Facebook in India, the consolidation of this sensitive information also exposes a very large segment of Indian citizens to greater information security risk and vulnerabilities, creating a potential honeypot of information. Unquote. WhatsApp on Friday had postponed its data-sharing policy change after users concerned about the privacy migrated to competitors like Telegram and Signal. With over 400 million users, India is one of the biggest markets for WhatsApp. In another recent development regarding user privacy on digital platforms and the Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology, the Delhi High Court yesterday issued notices to the public information officers of the IT Ministry in connection with an RTI filed by a citizen regarding the Arogya Setu app. The High Court said that the questions raised by the RTI applicant about the government's COVID tracking app were of considerable national importance. In August 2020, RTI activist Saurav Das had filed an RTI application seeking details related to the project, such as the origin of the proposal, approval details, companies, people, government departments involved, copies of the communications involved in making or developing the application, among other things. Das had also raised concerns about the app's use of data and its effect on people's right to privacy. Yesterday, he informed the court that each authority he had approached continued to evade his questions. The petitioner Das had then moved the Central Information of Commission or CIC. The Commission, in a 2020 order, had said, however, that sufficient information about the Arogya Setu app was available in the public domain. The Delhi High Court yesterday, while issuing the notice, challenged the CIC's 2020 order. A local Delhi court yesterday expressed displeasure that the accused in the Northeast Delhi riots case from February last year were not being given a standard time slot for reading the charge sheet. According to a scroll report, the Delhi police have uploaded the 18,000-page charge sheet on the computer in the prisons. This information came to light when many of the accused complained that they had not been given a proper time slot to read the charge sheet. 
One of the accused, former JNU student Umar Khalid, had said that he had been given three hours some days while other days he was allotted only one hour. Khalid asked the court to set a fixed time per day for the accused to read the document. Several other accused, namely JNU student Sharjil Imam, former Congress councillor Ishrat Jahan, Jamia Millia Islamia student Asif Iqbal Tanha had also said that they had not been given enough and uniform time slots to read the charge sheet. In the virtual hearing, additional sessions judge Amitabh Rawat questioned the police regarding the issue. He said and I quote, What's the point of uploading it on the computer if the accused cannot access it? Why are they given different time slots? Unquote. The court on January 5th had agreed to give the accused an e-copy of the charge sheet. The Times of India reported meanwhile that the court has extended the judicial custody of Khalid Imam and suspended Ahmadmi Party councillor and co-accused Tahir Hussain until February 2nd. Violence had broken out in northeast Delhi in February last year after a face-off between pro- and anti-CAA protesters. The incident had left more than 50 people dead and many injured. The Delhi police had claimed that the violence was part of a larger conspiracy to defame the Narendra Modi government. Many of you who follow News Laundry must know that our reporters Ayush and Basant closely followed the Northeast Delhi riots and how the police were investigating the violence that killed many people, a majority of them being Muslims. Both of them have filed multiple reports for our Deep Dive News Laundry Sena series on the Delhi riots. Through their reports, we have seen how the Delhi police's investigation is majorly botched. Fake eyewitness statements, Muslims being arrested for murdering Muslims in what was clearly a communal riot, these are only the tip of the iceberg. In case you've not read their reports, I urge you to do so right away. You'll find them on our website, newslaundry.com. And now for some international updates. The global COVID-19 tally surpassed the 96.2 million mark today. More than 2.58 million people worldwide have succumbed to the virus so far. The World Health Organization said yesterday that the mutant strain of COVID-19 that originated in the United Kingdom has been found in 60 countries so far. The WHO added that the South African strain of the virus, which is like the UK one, is believed to be more infectious and has now been reported in 23 countries and territories. Meanwhile, the Chinese capital of Beijing imposed a partial lockdown today with 1.6 million residents banned from leaving the city. This came after a handful of COVID-19 cases were detected in the region. Germany, in a similar move, extended its lockdown till February 14th amid concerns over the mutant strains. In the United States, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said that it had administered over 15.7 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccines in the country as of Tuesday. While millions received the vaccine shot in the country, its COVID death toll yesterday reached the grim mark of 400,000 lives. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. 